for today. We'll have some slides that will follow along, but um, we are in a just a short uh, three-week series on what is the church. We'll, this is part two today. We'll finish it next week, and then we were going to be beginning a series walking through the, uh, the epistle to the Colossians um, in two weeks. So this is part two of what is the church. By way of review from last week, um, we, were, we were answering the question, what is the church? And we said that the church is not a place we go, but it has to do with who we are. Um, and the word actually means it's the community of the called. We talked about that. In the New Testament, we have both the community of the called, that's the, the broader church, the larger church of Christ, that um, across the world and through history and our fellow brothers and sisters in general and other places, and then the church that gathers um, locally as well. And we said that we're going to look at three things about this community of the called, that it's, one, a worshiping community, it's a connected community, and it is a mission community. So last week, we looked at... The first one, which is actually the foundational one, I think the most important one, it's the, the heart of who we are, is that we are a worshiping community. Part of being the community of the called was that we are created. We talked about the fact that when God created Adam and Eve, they were created worshiping. That was just as, as just in all that they did was acts of worship. Everything they did was worship because they were perfectly created in the image of God and displaying him. They're created to worship, and then to come together, we come together to worship and continue our worship that we're doing all week. I had two quotes. One was from A.W. Tozer. He said, This worship of the loving God is our whole reason for existence. It's why we are born. It's why we are born again from above. It's why we are created. It's why we have been recreated. It's why there was a genesis at the beginning. It's why there is a regenerous genesis called regeneration. And it is why there is a church. The church exists. The community that called exists to worship God First and foremost of all, that's what we do. And then Harold Best said this, Once we understand that, in Christ, authentic worship is a continuous outpouring summed up in personal holiness. We must conclude that the Christian needs to hear but one call to worship and offer only one response. And these come exactly with new birth. Despite our wanderings and returns to the contrary, they suffice for all of our living, dying, and eternal outpouring. We do not go to church to worship, but as continuing worshipers, we gather ourselves together to continue our worship, but now we do it in the company of brothers and sisters. So what is the church? We looked at last week. It's the community of the call that's created worshiping in all that we do. And secondly, as we look at tonight, the church is a connected community. So the church is a worshiping community, where, but once we're restored as worshipers, um, God connects us to each other. It's part of his plan. It's what the word community means. Um, our restoration as worshipers, and then to the degree that in which we connect with each other, they provide our foundation for then what we look at next week is that we are a church that's on mission. But they first begins with being worshipers, being connected to each other, and the things that God does through that, and then it breaks out into the church as a mission community. So we're a connected community. See, we saw last week when we speak of the church, the community of the called, it's both the larger church body um, outside of these walls, the church universal, and it's also the local gathering of the called. And we need to see our connections to both expressions of the church, both the bigger picture um, 
as well as the local picture. So we're going to look at Ephesians tonight um, for an overview of what it means to be a connected community. Um, Bill read from chapter 4 where you can turn if you have a Bible with you. But I also want to read uh, just a couple of verses here as you're doing that from Ephesians 2. I'm going to read verses 19 through 22 just as some foundation for us. Paul said this, So you're no longer strangers and aliens. In other words, you're no longer unconnected from God and from one another. But you are fellow citizens with citizens with the saints, and now you are members of the household of God. And then at the end of chapter 4, verse 25, um, as Bill had already written, it says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor. He says, for we are members of one another. So both passages talk about we're members, whatever this means, we are members of one another. Then continuing chapter 2, Paul says this, um, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, that's you and I, and the church at large, is being joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are now being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So tonight I want to do three things out of Ephesians 4 and picking up with these things from Ephesians 2 as well. I want to talk about, so again, who are we? Second of all, how are we characterized and then thirdly, what's going to be required of us for that to happen and to continue to happen? So number one, what, who are we? We are a connected community. The passage said it really clear. We are members of one another, or they say we're part of the household of God. Um, so a couple things here. You've probably heard this joke already before a hundred times, but there's a, the joke about the man who was this, uh, uh, stranded on an island, shipwrecked, and he's on this island for a couple decades all by himself, and one day a ship comes in, and the captain comes to shore, and he sees the man there, and they're going to rescue him. And the captain looks, and he sees three buildings that have been built, and he asks him, says, what's that building over there? And he says, well, that's my house. That's where I've lived for the last 20 years. And he goes, that's great. And then he sees another building. It's got an actual cross on top. And he says, well, what's that place? And he goes, that's my church. That's where I, where I go to church. And then a little ways further, there's another hut with a cross on top of it. And he says, so what's that one? And he goes, that's the church I used to go to. So that's uh, <laughs> So aside from a statement as to how hard it is to maintain unity, even with ourselves, um, the truth is one person does not a church make. We're members of each other. We're a connected community. But even more basic to that is that we do not choose to be a member or not a member of God's community of the connected. When you come to Christ, it says here that we are members of one another so whether we don't have church membership here at the vineyard we don't we don't have a thing um there's nothing wrong with it it's a good thing it's helpful some churches do it but whether you sign a card or don't sign a card if you're a believer you are a member it's just what it says you're a member of this household of god you're you're members of this community of the called when you signed up for christ um you may not have known it and maybe it would have changed your mind i don't think so but you signed up for all of us as well to be connected with all of us. And the people down the street at the other place and over there in this larger church body that we are a part of. When we come to Christ, it says that we are members of one another. Paul, in describing uh, being a member here and other places, he uses the analogy of the body. So when he talks about members, he's not really talking about like I'm a part of a club. He's talking about members like members of your body, the way they're connected to make up this body that works the arms, the feet, the eyes, and the hands. He talks about those things. And he says, he says they cease to function as they are meant to be used 
um, when they're disconnected from the body. So this idea of being members is we're part of this body analogy, and we're each a different part, various things, and we don't function at all if we're separated from um, the body. My oldest uh, brother is a hand surgeon in Michigan, um, and a big portion of his income, he tells me, comes through several events. Um, one of them is Fourth of July. Um, it's amazing how foolish people can be with fireworks. Um, interesting, told me some pretty strange stories. Um, the second one is the winter season in Michigan. Um, people with snowblowers that have the older ones, that without the safety features, they get clogged up, and believe it or not, they reach in to unclog them, and they're still going, and bad things happen. So, and then the third thing, interesting enough, is, um, is uh, Saturday mornings, uh, men in their garages doing projects with power tools and too many cans of beer, um, and something happens. But interesting enough, um, and I grew up in a doctor's family, so probably no other people might not appreciate this, but so every now and then he texts me, and I'll get a text from my brother, and it's a picture. It's a picture of the latest injury that just came in, and there's, there's things that aren't where they're supposed to be, is what happens. I see his pictures um, of fingers and thumbs and um, other things that aren't where they're supposed to be anymore. It's not a pretty picture. So, too, being a member of the body but disconnected from it is a, a false picture of what God's created. It's, it's not what he meant for it to be, and it doesn't work. And, it's, and ultimately, it's just not a, a pretty picture. And we all suffer for it. So the first thing here, we are a connected community. We are members of each other. Here in this local thing, we gather as a local church, and there's a special connection and membership, but we're also members, understand, with the larger body of Christ as well, which we talk about a lot here. So a couple ideas. How can we move together? The question is, how can, how can we get more connected? That's always the struggle, isn't it? Um, just a couple really basic ideas. One is being here, <laughs> just gathering from week to week, come together and worship as part of being a connected community. We, we worship in all the things we do all the, through the week, but we come here once a week to gather together and worship in a way you can't do anywhere else and for this time. So one thing is just to be here. It's a starting point. The second could be to join either a community group, um, which we'll be promoting in a couple weeks here, our small groups where we connect a little deeper. Um, also, we have, we'll be uh, announcing the community cafes. Um, I think we're signing up posts for that next week. Those are those nights where just a one-time commitment, you show up at somebody's house for dessert and you get to know some people, and it's just a way to be connected, a real simple way. One is to serve. You could help at the book fair. You get to know a couple of people here doing that or be on the welcome team. Um, a fourth way is to connect with the larger church community, which we promote those here quite a, few t quite a bit. Um, one easy way to do that is there's, perhaps there's a church that you drive by every single day, and just pray for that church. Pray for the people there. Pray for who's leading. Pray for the people that are arriving there. Pray for what they're doing. Um, it connects you with the larger body of Christ. You can participate within the opportunities that are being offered by, there's a number of different ministries that you hear up front, from here all the time in our city that are working to connect churches and work on the behalf of the city. So connect with one of those things. And they're, com they're committed to connecting the body. And then uh, another last one is... Um, once a month, there's an insert in the bulletin about praying for the world and other places. Um, those can come out of the bulletin and go in the garbage real easily. Read through it. Just pick, maybe just pick one of those little blurbs in there of a country and what's going on with that church in that place. And just take a minute and pray for it. And that just is an easy way to begin to be connected with each other, in particular the larger body of Christ. So number one, we're this connected community. We are members of each other. 
and we could spend weeks on that. We're not. Number two, how is the community connected to be characterized? What are we supposed to look like if we're this community connected? When the world looks into us, what are they supposed to see? And Paul talks about that here in Ephesians 4. He tells us there's three marks here in Ephesians 4 that we should be characterized by. And I'm going to be brief here because each of these are a whole series, sermon series, but the things you should have heard before, but very briefly. The first one he mentions is unity. Verse 3 says, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And verse 4 he says, there is not five bodies, there's, there's one body. In verse 13, he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Um, Dave Drum, who's taught here and has written a book on unity, um, points us to John 17. Jesus' prayer was what? That we would be one just as the Father and the Son are one. And that's his desire for the church as well, to, to show that same thing. When we live in unity as brothers and sisters in Christ, we reflect the triune God who lives in this perfect unity. And we manifest something of the character and nature of God to the world when we live in unity. And when the church disintegrates and things come apart and people don't get along, it also manifests something to the world. And it's a false picture of who God really is. And the world is a fractured place and it needs to see what unity looks like. Um, note verse 3, it says, we're to maintain the unity of the spirit. We do not create unity. Um, we're, we're, we're good at creating disunity. Uh, we don't create unity. God creates unity through the Spirit. We maintain it. We're called to maintain what God creates. The Holy Spirit creates it, and he creates it because he's present in each of us. So the same Holy Spirit is in me that's in John, and that's, post, that's a connection you, that's, that's there. It's just there. It's this connection. That's where the unity comes from. And we're to maintain the unity that comes from that. The basis of our unity, well, he says it here in these verses. The basis of our unity is founded on being one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. So I grew up in a church that unity was based on a, there is a long list. And if the, another group of people didn't quite line up that list, um, we were separate from that group. Um, God's list is not as long as the list at my church was. Um, and there's differences from place to place, which is why we align the different places that we connect with. But there are some things that are important for unity. There are some things that are not important for maintaining unity. So he says it's based on the fact that the Holy Spirit dwells in each of us, and it's founded on our embracing the truth that we are one body. We are actually members of each other. If somebody else that has, that has the same basic beliefs about the gospel I do, but some other things that are a lot different. If I understand the Holy Spirit dwells in them, I am called to be uni unified with that person. That's, that's part of the being a member together. It's founded on one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. The second characteristic Paul identifies is diversity. Unity and then diversity. This is where the trouble comes in. Verse 11 and 12, he says he gave apostles prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, whose purpose is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We see this in uh, Romans 12 as well. It says, uh, Romans 12, verse 3, 
By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. Individually, we are members of one another. And that's repeated again in 1 Corinthians 12. So differing roles, differing giftedness, used in different places. Some roles are designed for equipping the saints so the saints can then do the work of ministry. All the roles, all the gifts are essential as they serve to join the body and produce growth. Um, and the degree to which, and we have work to do on that, I think, here, the degree to which we don't release people and their gifts in the body is the body suffers for it because we don't do it. perfect example today was out back here at the playground. Um, about eight guys showed up this morning, 6.30 this morning, and began putting together. The first thing, there was like a Lego set. They kind of spread out all the things to figure out what the parts are. There were so many parts. There was just hundreds and hundreds of bolts back there. I was like, I was getting a headache looking at it. And um, a couple guys took the lead and started piecing that thing together, all these different pieces. Um, but what I love about it is there's, a couple, there's some men in our church who have the gift of doing that, and they love it, and they took a hold of it. They delighted in it. They spent 10 hours. Jeff might still be out there. I think he wanted to put the little steering wheel on the thing because he was having so much fun. Been out in the heat for 10 hours today putting that together, it's a gift, and it serves the body, and it pleases God. And it's also a picture of the body coming together with all different parts to create. Also, we got this really cool-looking playground in the back with, that was just a pile of a mess on the ground um, earlier this morning. Two things from that. We are to serve in the community of the called. We all have something, whether it's here within these church walls or whether it's outside these church walls, we're all called to serve. I said it could be within the four walls or it could be in the larger body of the Christ. The key is to serve. And then second, because we're so diverse, not just in giftedness, but even sometimes things that we hold to, some of the things, unity, we have to work at it. It's interesting. He says, be eager to maintain the unity. We have to have a heart for desiring it because if we don't, we'll give it up because it gets hard sometimes. We understand that each of our brothers and sisters in Christ are temples of the Holy Spirit as I am. How can I not be eager to maintain what the Holy Spirit has produced? Um, and we need to do whatever it takes to work at that. So said, that doesn't mean it's easy just because the Holy Spirit's there. It requires hard work. As a matter of fact, interesting enough, twice in this section, what does he say? Speak the truth in love. Because there's times for that. And sometimes coming together and being members of your is hard. And it's, it requires intentionality and hard work. So unity, diversity of gifts. The third mark of the community of the called is maturity. Verses 15 and 16 of chapter 4. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. And earlier in this, those verses, we already read them earlier, talk about going into maturity, maturing, growing up. We are to grow up. 
probably we heard this when we were younger, like, will you just grow up? I heard that in my 30s and 40s and <laughs> 50s, so grow up. My kids are now uh, 20, 25, and 27, um, and uh, we still have the little marks on the wall in the kitchen that measures all their, their heights, um, and it's just because you celebrate growth. It's, it's supposed to happen. It's, it's exciting, and I don't want to clean that off. I want to just kind of leave it there. It's, it's all smudgy, but I want to leave it there forever because you remember those things. It's equally important to pursue and mark out growing and maturity. Um, we should be maturing. And according to Ephesians 4, maturity comes as all of us. It talks, it talks about the section here. It says it needs every single joint being held together by the whole body working together um, to produce it. it comes, maturity comes as we all exhort one another. Other places in Ephesians says encouraging one another. It comes as we all exercise our gifts. It comes as we link up, in other words, um, the, the exhortation is that I cannot mature and grow up without you. That's the idea here. We can't go separate from it and think that we're going to grow up. It comes as we collectively focus on Christ, who is our head in the centerpiece, and we let each other into our lives in such a way that it causes us all to grow up. I was writing this, I was thinking back, so I've known Christ for 55 years, and have I grown up? Have I matured? In some ways I have, I hope so. Other ways I haven't. Um, and much of the reason we're in places where I haven't is a failure to be connected, failure to be connected with each other. We need each other to grow up. And then lastly, if we're going to grow up, if we're going to be connected, if we're going to maintain unity, what's it going to take? Because it's not easy to do. Well, he says it right in his first three verses. He says, walk worthy. And what does that look like? Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, and an eagerness for unity. What is it required to grow up and to move towards that in the unity with each other? Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love with an eagerness for unity. Who does that sound like, by the way? It sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? We're, we're to exemplify him in our, in our characteristics and our habits. I've, I've shared stories before, but I've been in churches and I've sat in meetings with leaders and there wasn't humility, there wasn't patience, there wasn't... Um, self-control um, and, it, and it tears things apart and we are called to let the Holy Spirit but as a matter of fact those are some of these things are just fruits of the Spirit letting the Holy Spirit produce them in our life it requires that we die to ourself and it requires that we be imitators of God like beloved children which Ephesians 5 tells us so what will it take to grow up what will it take to be unified what does it take to begin to display to the world a picture of what this connected community looks like it takes dying to herself is what it takes. Heavy doses of humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love with an eagerness for unity because that's how Christ has treated us. Interesting, um, I don't have the verse in front of me, but if we don't do this and work at that, you know what it says? It says in the passage, we're going to be like people tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and Paul says it comes shipwreck of our faith. Our faith goes shipwreck in our places. We, we lose our bearing. We lose our, our place. And we aren't the people of God that God has called us to be 
that can show the world an answer for what they need. So we're a connected community is to be show unity, diversity, and maturity. And it's going to take the fruits of the Spirit working in our life to accomplish it. Janice, you can come on up. Um, if you're visiting today, we have a table here, and it's got bread, and there's one with these gluten-free crackers on the table back there. But every single week, um, part of our habit is to gather around the table. Um, we talk about the fact that when we come around the table, it realigns the compass of our hearts back to pointing where it's supposed to point again, which is Jesus being the center. And I was just thinking, what did it take for God to create and form this community of the called? Well, it took the cross, is what it took, because we couldn't do it on ourselves. It took God himself, humbled even to death on a cross. And so each week we come around the table. Um, the table is for anybody who's part of that community of the called. If we know Jesus, um, there is a, a place at this table. We break the bread off, remembering his body on the cross. We dip it in the cup, remembering his shed blood. As we gather around the table tonight, hear these words from Philippians 2. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, and there is. Complete my joy by being of the same mind and having the same love, being in full accord, having one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count ourselves more, others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but the interests of others. Have this mind in you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, although he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but rather he emptied himself. He took the form of a servant, and he was born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, has given him a name that is above every name, so that at that name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, we, we as your people, You gave your life and bore the full burden of all the sin of all time on yourself in order to make us worshipers again and to form us into a body that pictures you to the world. Lord, we want to we be that kind of people. And we thank you for your work on the cross. Thank you for the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And as we, as one community, take the bread tonight, we do it to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.